Hey, welcome to our Public Church podcast. We hope this message blesses you today. For more information on Public Church, please see us on www.public.church. Right, there's a whiteboard behind me, right? So yes, I'm a teacher and I just can't help myself. So I'm just going to pull this over this way a bit. When we were in the prayer meeting, um, we were just praying about today and about, you know, everything and everyone and... and, um, and we were praying for my preaching because obviously Cameron thought I needed help. So we prayed for it. And I'm like, yes, I'm preaching. Thank you, Sam. I'm like, yes, I'm preaching with the whiteboard. And everyone just stopped and looked at me and was like, for real? Jamie was laughing. I'm like, I'm a teacher. I do this all the time. And God can turn up even when there's a whiteboard behind you, right? And faith and whiteboards go together. Okay? All right. So we're going we're gonna to have a bit of fun today, but um, a bit of serious as well. So, does anyone actually bring their Bibles to church? Yes. I love you people. Says me who doesn't have mine up here. But okay. If you bring your Bibles, it's amazing to bring your Bibles and a notebook or take notes um, on a, um, you know, on your phones. Okay. I'm not a very good drawer. I teach primary school, little ones, for most of my life. So, please, stick figures is about as good as you're going to get today. Maybe I should get Claudia up because she's an amazing artist. Okay, so you know that we've been digging into this whole thought of simple but significant. That's what we're looking at through the month of July and how a lot of, well, everything about Jesus was so simple. But if we can catch it and live the way he lived, it will bring profound, significant impact into our everyday lives. Okay, everyone say simple significant. You've got it. So Jesus lived simple. He taught simple. That's why he taught through parables. I love that. I love that Jesus taught through stories because we remember it. And he taught profound truths to us through very simple, simple stories. Um, And his way of doing things will have a profound impact on us if we can get a hold of them. And so what I wanted to have a look at today was this whole area of how we balance our lives. And I'm going to use the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to look at through that filter. And we're going to look at how should we balance and live our lives. So, okay, please do not laugh at my drawings, and this is a very high blackboard, whiteboard. See, blackboard, that's how old I am. When I was first teaching, it was blackboards. Okay, so we've got us happy people. I told you it's stick figures. And (laughs) we are juggling things in our lives, right? Does that look like someone juggling? Can anyone actually juggle that many things? Like Jordan? Has he got a broken leg? <laughs> no, he just got one foot bigger than the other and we prayed for him and voila, he is healed. <laughs> I told you my drawing's not great. There you go. So, so this is us, right? And depending upon your season of life as to what you're juggling right now, okay? So, so you might be, obviously we've got, you know, we've got the God factor in our life. Can everyone see that? Okay, kind of? Yeah, okay. You kind of, you got the God factor. Some of us might be, juggling dating or a relationship or marriage. Oh, that reminds me. Luke and Belinda are back. Yes, welcome back. Where are they? 
Oh, right, right there. We missed you guys the last two weeks. We're like, it was no excuse that you guys were not here. They got married. We're kidding. Um, so good to have you guys back. You were in Thailand. Did you go and help? I actually thought to myself, I bet your bottom dollar, if Luke was near those boys, he'd go and try and help rescue them. Oh, you didn't even know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it happened while you were there. Yeah, they're on their honeymoon. We'll forgive them for not knowing. So depending on where you're at in your life, you might be, you know, you might right now be actually juggling um, a broken relationship. You know, you might be a single mum and trying to juggle being mum and being dad as well. You might be trying to juggle building a home or paying for a home or believing for a home or trying to pay rent for a home. You know, you've got your kids that you're trying to juggle everything and you've got your work and you've got study that is very messy writing. But all of the different things in your life that you've got to juggle, and we're all trying to get it right. You know, there's podcasts and there's TED Talks about balancing and trying to get the balance of life right. But this is the thing. If we live by God's principles, this actually becomes very, very simple and very easy. So, Keeping balance according to Jesus and by watching his life is actually so very simple. And yet it's so easy in life to feel like things get out of balance. We get too busy or we get tired. Or maybe you, you, know, you suffer with some anxiety or some depression or you feel stressed out or you're not coping with a particular area or you've got kids that you're trying to look after by yourself or you're trying to balance work and home and family and getting kids out the door and then going to work yourself or you've got study and you've got a part-time job and you're a youth leader and it's very easy for things to get out of balance. And yet in the Bible, Jesus offers us a very, very simple principle that if we live by, will actually change the way that we look at how we're supposed to manage and juggle everything in our life. Because when we become frustrated or we're tired or we're upset or things are out of balance, it's just a, sim a, a symptom really that we're not doing something right. We're not doing something the way that we should be doing it. So let's have a look at Matthew 6.33, which says this. And you probably now can't see the scriptures behind, can you? Because the board's in the way. Which means you're going to have to look at your Bibles. Ooh. Okay, quick. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I can hear about one Bible page rattling. <laughs> the rest of you, it's like clock, 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 clock on your phone. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let me read it again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So therefore, the key to balance, and I'm going to show this to you, the key to balance is actually putting God first. And this is where we get it wrong. Because what happens is we've got God as a little kind of ball out here to juggle. Oh, I've got to do my devotions. I need to pray. I better put on some worship music. I need to study my Bible more. Oh, I better go to church. Oh, now I'm serving, so I better put on my hello shirt. If you wear one. <laughs> we have hello shirts. Whatever that is, we put God in this box. 
He's like another part of our life that we need to manage. We feel guilty if we don't pray enough. We feel guilty if we don't read the Bible enough. Oh, and then I've got to teach my kids the scriptures. And I've got to make sure that they know the word of God. And then I've got to make sure I drive my teenagers to youth. And then I've got, oh my gosh, I've got to register for camp, which I haven't done and I will be doing it tonight, I promise. Right? Because I'm trying to juggle so many balls. I haven't even registered my own kids for camp. But it's the number one priority. They are being registered. They are going. So... Let's have a look at that scripture, seek first the kingdom. I just want to unpack, seek first the kingdom, and then we're going to draw this a whole other way. So let's just write these words down. These are the three most important words in that scripture. Seek first the kingdom. And we're going to unpack, sorry, I am a good speller most of the time. I'm going to unpack that for a minute. Let's have a look at the word seek. The word seek means that you're doing something deliberate. You're doing something as a choice. And that scripture actually says, if you read, I can't remember what version it is, that you're doing it as an act of your will. Okay, that's what to seek means, to do something deliberately, to do it as a choice, and to do it as an act of your will. So what about the word first? Well, that's easy. First means that you're making something a priority. Okay? Deliberately choosing as an act of my will, making something a priority. What about kingdom? Now, some people think kingdom, it means God's people, it means God's creation. No, kingdom means simply God's reign in your life or over everything. It's God's reign over everything. It's God's rule over everything. Or another way to put it is God's governance. Governance over everything, okay? So if we were to get those three words, that's what they mean. Deliberate choice, act of my will, making it a priority, God's reign, God's rule. So if I were to write this or rephrase it, I would say... If I were to rephrase, seek first the kingdom, I would say, I make a deliberate, hang on, I just want to get this right, how I've worded this. I make a deliberate choice to prioritize God in every I usually write much neater than this for year twos because they copy me. <laughs> in every area of my life. Got it? So if I could rephrase and do the Renee Bennett version of Matthew 6.33, this is what I would write. If you unpack each of those words, I make a deliberate choice to prioritise God in every area of my life. Okay. So now I'm going to redraw this person on the board according to God's simple principle of putting first his kingdom. It should look more like this. Now I'm happy because I'm doing it right. These are all the things I'm juggling. However, I do it. Now this, that is God. Can you see the difference? 
God goes from being one more thing that I'm trying to juggle, my prayer life, my, you know, seeking God, my better fast, youth camp's coming up, my, um, you know, better teach my kids that scripture, oh, better pray myself, better pray for my husband, better pray for my wife, better, better put on some worship music. It goes from being something else that we're trying to manage because when you seek first the kingdom of God and he has reign over every area of my life, another way of saying that is a God consciousness. You live within a God consciousness. That's what it means to put God first. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom. It means I do everything from a God consciousness. Now this now changes everything. Because you know why? It changes everything because now we've got God's wisdom. We've got a God perspective on everything. This doesn't change, right? These things don't change. But now we're doing it within a God consciousness and within. The Bible says in Acts 17 verse 28, write this down, Acts 17 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. Isn't that a picture of that scripture? Right there, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Right? That's scriptural. He governs and rules every area of our life. So get this, I'm going to take it a step further. Have a listen to this. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 to 7 says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Now do you notice what the word kingdom means? Kingdom means God's government, governance. So this means that when we allow God to govern our life, what does it say in Isaiah chapter 9 that the governance is on his shoulders it's not on my shoulders the pressure even though I'm still juggling family and work and children and whatever else you're juggling the government shall not be upon your shoulders but it shall be upon his shoulders and that scripture goes on to say that when his government increases of peace there will be no end in other words, the more I allow God to govern my life, the more peace I have in my life. So it's no wonder we've got a whole generation running around, stressed out, trying to fit everything in, because we're living like this. Instead of living in a God consciousness, seeking first, putting God first in everything, allowing him to govern every area of our life. And when we do that, the government is not on my shoulders. I'm not the one trying to keep those balls flying in the air. I'm not the one trying to be the perfect wife, the perfect mom, the perfect youth leader, the perfect youth pastor, even though by nature I'm a perfectionist. I know when I start to get stressed, I go, you know what? It's because I'm not allowing God to have the governance and to allow my life to rest on his shoulders shoulders instead of everything resting on my shoulders and Isaiah 9 is very clear it says of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end so the more you allow God to govern the more peace you will have can you see that so we have to therefore make a constant deliberate choice by an act of our will to make a priority of allowing God to govern our lives. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. 
So what I wanted to do to spend the last little while doing is just to share a couple of thoughts and a couple of stories with you, I guess, over different areas of our life and what that might look like to be able to invite God to govern these areas. Okay, so you've obviously, if you could maybe think of areas in your life, like in this picture here, of what it is that you're trying to manage and juggle right now. You might have had the death of a loved one and you're trying to juggle your own grief. You might have uni exams right now and you're trying to govern and look after and manage that. You might be, a, you know, a single parent and you're trying to manage everything, the finances, the kids, whatever it is. I want you to come and think about the, what I'm saying from your perspective. So I've just chosen a few. Um, you know, I'm sure there's many that we could do. But the first one I wanted to talk about was actually dating. And all the young people are kind of spread today. So I shall be talking to both sides of the room. And the parents are going to love this talk because you don't have to have it now. I'm having it for you. We should still, it's a good idea to have it too. Invite God into your dating life. Like what? Yes. Go into it with a plan, right? I had a plan, um, I kid you not, from the age of year six. So I was 11. And I remember this blonde-haired boy called Heath, right? <coughs> I've told you this, haven't I? Yeah, I have, I'm sure I have. Right? So I'm 11, right? I remember him knocking on the library door because I was that person that was the library monitor during lunch. Yeah, Cameron laughs because we, 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 I don't know how we ever got married. Like, he doesn't even go near a library. I'm inside as the library monitor. He'd be one of the kids having a brawl on the oval, getting spanked by the principal, which he did get, whooped with the cane. But anyway, that... <laughs> Look at me going, don't tell those stories. I was the good girl that was the library monitor with like a little badge that said Renee, library monitor. Anyway, Heath knocked on the door and through the glass door of the 1980s transportable library at Banksia Park in Adelaide, he said, will you go out with me? Oh, I was so, like I blushed because I was like really, that was so lovely that he asked. But in my heart, this is seriously what I thought, seriously what I thought. I'm only going to go out with someone if I marry them and I'm like 11, so I don't think I'm going to marry you, so I'll better say no to dating you. So I seriously looked and went, no, thank you, because I was super polite. No, thank you, but thank you anyway, and then ran away to file some more books on the bookshelf, right? But I'm kidding you not, I had a plan from a child I'm not going to date anyone unless I feel like they, that God's brought them into my life. That's how convinced I was. Maybe it was because I'd seen nothing but divorce in my family. So I decided I better have a good plan because I don't want to end up in the same place. But anyway, you know, that stood me in good stead for when I was at uni. And I think I've told you about Greg at uni who like was as good, you know, he, he looked like he'd stepped out of Beverly Hills 90210. You know, that show that was really like cool. He was like good looking and he wanted to go to the movies with me. And I was just like, no, I just didn't even entertain it because he didn't love Jesus. Let me tell you, young people, find someone who loves God as much or even more than what you do. Have a plan. I tell this to my daughter all the time because let me tell you, 
they're knocking on the library window for her, and it ain't the library window. They're like coming to her work, and they're bringing her flowers. And I'm like, who are these from today? And I'm like, have a plan, have a plan. And she's so laid back. She kind of was like, oh, yeah, okay. Her plan is just to say, mum and dad won't let me. And I'm like, that's not going to work like when you're 25. Mum and dad won't let me have a plan. So, but let me just quickly tell you, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't be unequally yoked. Let me tell you what being unequally yoked means. A yoke is a wooden bar that joins two oxen to each other with the burden that they pull together. An An unequally yoked team means one ox is stronger than the other one. Strong ox, weak ox. Or you've got a taller ox and a smaller ox. And what happens is this causes one to walk more slowly than the other, which causes the load to go around and around in circles. Therefore, if you marry up with somebody and you are unequally yoked and you love Jesus, this much and they love Jesus this much you're going to spend a lot of your life going around and around in circles it's bible not me it's bible and all the parents said thanks Renee thank you okay my kids hate it because I actually say this stuff at home I don't care how in love you are with that person either Bible, always go back to Bible. What does Jesus say? Because everything Jesus says is for our benefit. We've got to find the wisdom in it. What about marriage? Um, Marriage is another one that we're trying to, you know, juggle. Out of the four siblings on my mum's side, three of them are divorced. And out of the four siblings on my dad's side, two of them um, are divorced. And so when I stood at the altar to get married to Cameron, I stood there like this with a God consciousness. And I'm like, God, I have no clue, really, like what makes a good marriage, what doesn't. But I stand here in God consciousness and I stand in the gap for the generations that come after me. And God, and I just dedicated our marriage to God. And Russell and Sam, who married us at the time, they knew the background that I came from and they, he did the same. And they prayed over us and they anointed and they blessed our marriage. And we've been married, been married 20 years, just gone, 20 years. Every day for me is like, that's like a miracle. Every year that goes by, I'm in awe of what God can do because I saw nothing but broken marriage. You know, it doesn't matter where your marriage is at. It's not always easy. Sometimes I'm like, sweetheart, I love you, but I don't like you so much today. Like every now and then that <laughs> happens. And I'm like, can you just be a bit more polite around me, please? Like, you know, think marriage is, I wouldn't say it's hard. I love being married. But, you know, we always need to bring in a God consciousness with our marriage. Um, uh, oh, I just wanted to quickly share this with you too. Um, you know, I was saying to you that I took authority over divorce in my family. Mark 16 says this, verse 17 to 18, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Sorry, in my name. They will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. So the start of that says, these signs will accompany those who believe, in my name you will do this, in my name you will do that. We have authority in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, when I stood on our wedding day 20 years ago, we took authority over that whether it was a spirit, I, I don't know. I don't go like looking for demons under every rock or anything. But when you see a pattern in a family, I was like, 
I'm just going to take authority over that anyway and I break that in the name of Jesus. I look at, and I hope mum and dad don't mind me sharing, they make great illustrated examples for me all the time. But, you know, I look at, I look at dad's life and he's got no family members that, that are alive other than us, us Bennetts now. Um, his, his brothers that were all, you know, drank and, and did all sorts of things and I see mum and dad and, and to me it's no wonder that dad is in his 70s and healthy and has got a great family with three kids who all love Jesus and now all the grandkids all love Jesus too. And I don't think it's a mistake that mum and dad have prayed and taken authority over their family. And you know, even when Cameron started to go down that path and there would be days when, when Cameron would sneak him late home and he would be drunk or whatever it was, and, and mum and dad the next morning will go, get up, son, you're going to church. We don't care how late you got in. We don't care what you did the night before, but you are going to church. The Bennets go to church. And you know what? Now, with our kids, what do we say to them? You're going to church. You know, sometimes they come home, tired, mom, I don't want to go to youth. The Bennets go to church. Do you know why? We understand the value of the principles of God. And let me, while I'm going down that path, Talk about that one, the value of not forsaking the gathering. It says in the, in the I've got a scripture written somewhere there, um, Hebrews 10.25, do not give up the meeting together for worship and instruction as some are in the habit of doing. I used to do it just as a habit, right, a good habit, because I was told go to church. And I went to church from the age of when I got saved when I was about five years of age and I've hardly missed a Sunday since. And I started off doing it because it was the right thing to do. But now I do it because I understand the value of meeting in the house of God. And I wonder at a generation who is starting to make church an option. Let's just go every second week. I heard a pastor say not long ago that it's now regular means every second week. That's not regular to me. I can think of many things that if you did that once every second week, you would be in trouble. Yes. Regular means regular. A habit, which Hebrews 10.25 talks about, means a habit. So even when it came to things like study, I would always still be at church. You know why? Because if you give up a habit for something, it's easy later on to give it up again and again for something else. So when it came to study, even through year 12, even through um, all of my university time, always I would make sure, of course, unless I was sick or whatever, I'm coming to the house of God. It is a habit that I'm having in my life because I understand the value of it. And let me tell you, if we start allowing regular to become every second and every third week, what is the generation after us going to do? Because regular for them might end up, can we know we're talking about it walking this morning, regular for them might end up being just at Christmas and just at Easter. What a sad world we'll live in if that is the case. And so that's why we say the Bennets go to church. And it's no wonder to me that mum and dad who have gone to the house of God week after week after week, decade after decade after decade, and family who are way away from God and their family that have passed away and been involved in all sorts of stuff. And I look at their family and I say, God, you've been so faithful, but they've been faithful too. And so there you go. Not giving up the house of God. It's not an option. Everyone said, not an option to miss it, that is. Not, not an option to go. If I could have the band, the band come. You know, I remember when I first had, um, when I first had Georgia 
And um, I was very busy when I was, you know, full-time teaching and I was a youth leader and, um, you know, I guess I, you know, just grew up with a pretty big capacity to want to serve God. But I remember watching people that either get married or that have babies and all of a sudden they just wouldn't really come to church anymore. And I used to call it, they'd go off to Marriedsville or Babiesville. That's what I used to call it. And I, and I remember going to Sam, Sam Evans, who was my pastor at the time, and I said to her, I don't understand why people have kids and then they stop coming. Like, like I don't want to do that. I love God. And I was so afraid that it would magically somehow happen to me accidentally. And I was like, how do I not? And she goes, Renee, she goes, it's easy. Two things. Make a choice and be organized. I was like, oh, that's pretty practical. <laughs> I thought she was going to say something spiritual, like, thus saith the Lord, this would not happen unto they and I. No, 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 it was this. It's a choice to prioritize God. And it was so easy. And I go, what do you mean be organized? She goes, pack a backpack with special toys that are just for church that they can only open at church and make sure you cut up food. You know, the simplest, simple of things. So I had one baby and I came to church. Had a cesarean, so I waited two weeks till I could actually walk. And I was so afraid that I'd accidentally not want to go to church. I like made myself on week three. I like hobbled in. Had a second baby. And let me tell you, Liam was no walk in the park. Is he here? He was naughty. Like, Liam, you don't remember that. Mum remembers. He would salivate saliva. Like, like if I had to leave him because I had to preach, he would, like, manifest. <laughs> Maybe looking back, it was separation anxiety. But I just called it naughty. I'm like, no, mummy's preaching. You're going to be okay for half an hour. The world is not going to die around you. You're not going to, you know. He was so naughty. I could not sit on the front row near anywhere near in church because he just would scream. He was born screaming, wasn't he? He was literally born screaming. He screamed when he came out. The doctor goes, don't worry, sweetheart, just take him home and he'll settle. Oh, no. I'm like, you lied to me. He screamed for the next three years of my life. I swear it aged me five years. I'm trying to get that back. Thanks, Liam, you owe me. But let me tell you, and I'm like, I'm not not going to church because my kid is naughty. And and so, and I remember, I'd, you know, and I was really firm on sleep times and mum would be like, oh, maybe it's just this personality. And I'm like, well, I'm his mother and I'm changing that personality. I'm working, oh, he's just like Cameron. And I'm like, well, even more so we're changing that. We're like, and I'd sit him on my lap and I'd make him sit there while I read a whole story. And I just did so many things on purpose. And I remember it would have been so easy for me not to come to church, but you know what? Didn't hear hardly anything for about three years of my life. Was in the, in the glass room. The glass room was the parents' room. But you know what? I'm like, I'm not giving up the principles and the values of God for anything, a naughty kid, whatever. I was going to do resource as well, but we'll leave that for another time. But um, maybe if someone could just take the board away too, that would be great. I, I just wanted to read you that same scripture in the Passion Translation because it says it just perfectly. It says, above all, consistently chase after the realm of God's kingdom 
and the righteousness that proceeds from him. And I didn't even get to this part, did I? Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. So you know all those things that we were juggling? They're the less important things, but they're still going to be given to us in abundance when we live by the simple God principle of putting him first.